Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to Destiny. Now here's your host, Cliff Dunning. I'm really kind of excited to introduce today's program. Of all the exercises that come out from the ancient past, Hindu, India, yoga is one of the most profound in so many ways. And as a uh, ancient history buff and somebody who studies ancient cultures, Although yoga is considered about 5,000 years old, they don't really know how old it is. And uh, it really goes back to prehistory. And it was probably picked up in some scrolls or something and translated into sutras, which are, or Vedic uh, scriptures, which are, you know, translatable across the board. But whoever developed yoga, understood human physiology on a cellular level. And there isn't very many exercises today that go to that level. In fact, I can't think of any that are as profound as the technique of yogic positions. And I've been practicing yoga probably about well, over 20 years. And I have found it to be one of the most profound exercises that is so simple to do uh, and yet provides so many benefits. It's a, uh, again, it, 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 it drills down into the cellular, cellular level. It actually releases hormones. It actually can heal muscular and skeletal issues. Uh, and it's really, and this is what makes it so fascinating uh, these techniques, like yoga and like meditation, 
what makes it so unique is it is a full body, mind, and spirit process. And so whoever invented it, whoever came across with the technique, understood the human condition on multiple levels. Unlike weightlifting or uh, jogging or, you know, the different sports we do in the gym, yoga, in, in the practice of yoga, you are connecting your body to your brain to your higher levels of spirituality. And you might say, well, what does that mean? What, what you know, spirituality? Well, when you do yoga you trip your brain into a an altered state. You shift, I should say, you shift your brain into an altered state of consciousness. And not only is that healing, uh, there's subtle downloads that are coming through to you. There is the processing of the day, uh, either before the day starts, middle of the day, or the end of the day. You're processing and... Again, the body is is gaining in these poses all kinds of amazing healing and wellness attributes, which are part of uh, of yoga. So, I mean, I talk about uh, meditation and the benefits I've had from meditating, but yoga is so profound. And it's curious to note that you can do yoga up until the day you leave the planet. And... If you do a search for yoga and aging, you'll find that people in their 80s, 90s, and even 100 years of age are practicing and doing various forms of yoga. Because it doesn't just feel good. It doesn't just benefit your body, mind, and your spirit. It is the ultimate wellness technique. And that's what makes it such a fascinating subject uh, on today and, and with my guest uh, is that it came to America uh, like other Eastern philosophy techniques, meditation being the most well-known. Uh, I, I should say transcendental meditation, TM, uh, which came from the Maharishi Mesh Yogi and something that I practiced uh, right out of high school. Uh, these techniques are handed down by special individuals who, for whatever reason, are motivated to bring it to the West. Well, it's a great tool for Western culture because we don't pay attention to our body. This is why we have such great illness, rheumatoid arthritis, cancer skyrocketing, other degenerative diseases, uh, MS, and so forth and so on. There are just so uh, so many illnesses now Uh, that could be avoided if we paid attention to our bodies. And this is one of the real amazing benefits of doing yoga. You can't do yoga without realizing issues with your lower body, your, your core, which is your hips, low back, and your upper body. When you do yoga, you integrate your whole body and it'll tell you if you got a problem. And this is this is the big issue with a lot of people. They would rather take something when they're not well to suppress not feeling good. Well, the not feeling good is your body saying, hey, we got a problem here, buddy. You got to look into this. Uh, so, I mean, when we have the flu or when we have a cold, 
we take immune-suppressing medicines. Those are all signals on uh, what's going on with your life. You're not taking care of yourself. You're, you're stressing out too much. Uh, and so when you practice these ancient techniques that were developed by our ancestors who really understand the body, you benefit yourself you have a better life because you're feeling good all the time, uh, and you'd be surprised how more productive you are when you're act when you're you're doing uh, physical activities like yoga. I mean, obviously, yoga is not the only thing. Uh, I do, you know, I'm at the gym, do a little weight training here and there, but yoga is an amazing exercise. Now, I have a short presentation here. It's called "What Yoga Does to the Body and Brain." This is a, a, a real primer, a real basic three-minute presentation of keys of yoga, where it came from, and how it works on the body. This is a quick listen. At some point between the 1st and 5th century CE, the Hindu sage Patanjali began to codify the ancient meditative traditions practiced throughout India. He recorded techniques nearly as old as Indian civilization itself in 196 manuals called the Yoga Sutras. These texts defined yoga as the yoking or restraining of the mind from focusing on external objects in efforts to reach a state of pure consciousness. Over time, yoga came to incorporate physical elements from gymnastics and wrestling. Today, there are a multitude of approaches to modern yoga, though most still maintain the three core elements of Patanjali's practice, physical postures, breathing exercises, and spiritual contemplation. This blend of physical and mental exercise is widely believed to have a unique set of health advantages, such as improving strength and flexibility, boosting heart and lung function, and enhancing psychological well-being. But what have contemporary studies shown regarding the benefits of this ancient tradition? Despite attempts by many researchers, it's tough to make specific claims about yoga's advantages its unique combination of activities makes it difficult to determine which component is producing a specific health benefit. Additionally, yoga studies are often made up of small sample sizes that lack diversity, and the heavy reliance on self-reporting makes results subjective. However, there are some health benefits that have more robust scientific support than others. Let's start with flexibility and strength. Twisting your body into yoga's physical postures stretches multiple muscle groups. In the short term, stretching can change the water content of these muscles, ligaments, and tendons to make them more elastic. Over time, regular stretching stimulates stem cells, which then differentiate into new muscle tissue and other cells that generate elastic collagen. Frequent stretching also reduces the body's natural reflex to constrict muscles, improving your pain tolerance for feats of flexibility. 
researchers haven't found that any one form of yoga improves flexibility more than another, so the impact of specific postures is unclear. But like other low-impact exercises, yoga reliably improves fitness and flexibility in healthy populations. The practice has also been shown to be a potentially powerful therapeutic tool. In studies involving patients with a variety of musculoskeletal disorders, yoga was more helpful at reducing pain and improving mobility than other forms of low-impact exercise. Adding yoga to an existing exercise routine can improve strength and flexibility for hard-to-treat conditions like chronic lower back pain, rheumatoid arthritis, and osteoporosis. Now, my guest today is uh, Dr. Keith Lowenstein, and he is a uh, physician who incorporates yoga in his practice in his, uh, uh, with his patients and teaches them how to use Kriya Yoga, which is an advanced form of yoga that gets into breathing and meditation all in one practice. Um, but we will talk about the fundamentals as well as the benefits uh, and how yoga was transmitted to the United States and other Western cultures through the ancient uh, sages of India. It's funny, there's so much uh, about India that is amazing to us, and we benefit in subtle ways from these Eastern philosophies. Not enough, I don't think, but those of us who uh, like yoga uh, and those who are learning about yoga will find that it's a real wonderful tool for personal evolution. And remember, destiny is about tools for transformation. So yoga is one of the easiest and most beneficial exercises you'll ever come across. The great benefits of an ancient technique. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com marathon.
we're back with Pepper Hernandez, Dr. Pepper, who is now located in Oklahoma. And we are checking in with her this week on Conversations with Cannabis. So, hey, hey, how are you, Pepper? Hi there, Cliff. Thanks for having me. Great. Hey, this week we're talking about uh, issues of inflammation. And this is something that a lot of people deal with, uh, muscle aches, arthritis, uh, nerve pain, and you have been and are continuing to research salves uh, or salves that are applicable to uh, inflammation issues. So talk a little bit about this. This is important. Sure. Thank you. So I have been really researching neurological disorders, which is something that's very close to my heart. Um, working with bone, muscular, skeletal disease, chronic inflammation, those kind of things. So what I've been finding, which is quite interesting, is there are five cannabis cultivars that really help with reducing inflammation. And those strains, um, if we use them in the proper way, and I think topically or you know, transdermal, or a tincture. I think that's the only two ways that we can do this. We can really help with um, chronic inflammation. Mm-hmm. So those strains are, um, and this is in no you know no particular order, but ACDC happened to be a very high CBD strain. Now it's mm. probably the one of the highest CBD strains. It's like twenty four percent, sixteen percent, like in that range, depending on the grower. If it's grown outdoor, if it's grown with organic, all the good stuff, right? Um, but the ACDC is usually a sativa dominant, and that one particularly is really great for inflammation. Okay. The the others are. Uh, Harlequin. Harlequin's really high in CBD as well. That's more of an indica cross. Canatonic, which is my personal favorite. It's also known for high CBD. And um, let's see, the Girl Scout cookies. Now, once we start going into these other, the next two, I'm just going to tell you that these are kind of more higher THC content. Right. Uh, they have their reaching capacity of like 28%, which is pretty high. So if you don't want THC in your salve or your tincture, th- this is not the right one for you. But if you don't mind having it, uh, this is a very good one for arthritis or inflammation. And then, there, then we have Charlotte's Web, which is really well-known in Colorado. And it's a very high uh, CBD content as well as THC. Let me ask you real quickly on these. Um, When you're purchasing a uh, salve, are they going to list the actual originating uh, flower or or strain on on the label? We hope so. That's okay. what that's the direction that we're going through medicinally. Okay. You want the products to be in the hands of the consumer. The consumer can read all about the terpenes and the cannabinoids. Okay. So what we found just for our scientific research is that CBD is actually better to for inflammation. Okay. Cool. The other things are the terpenes that you're going to look for are limonene, myrcene, and linalool. Those are going to be your highest terpene counts. So maybe that topical doesn't say, you know, this is the exact strain, or maybe it does say this is the exact exact strain, but you don't know anything about the terpenes or the cannabinoids. You can look for those cannabinoids, those terpenes, or those strains. 
Wow. All right. So that that's really good information. Give us a sense of what inflammation issues, inflammatory issues are best served with these uh, topicals. Sure. It depends on what a person's going through, but anything from acute inflammation all the way to chronic inflammation and chronic inflammation, meaning, you know, uh, arthritis, um, complications, neurological complications, those kind of things. Those are Mm -hmm. more on the chronic level. This salve or topicals or um, even a tincture have been shown to help with those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And the more acute would just be like, maybe, you know, you slept on your neck wrong or something like that. And so you just wanted a little something. Um, but it can, it can depending on the person and the body composition in comparison to cannabis, it can be very helpful for a range of things. Yeah. Hey, is, it, is there any literature or research on the healing effects other than just uh, – kind of a band-aid to reduce inflammation. Is there, because I'm hearing more and more reports uh, of as cannabis is being researched in greater depth, that certain conditions actually can be healed or improved. What do you say about that? Absolutely. I think we're doing more research all of the time. You can look into like uh, websites like Healthline, those kind of things have done all the research that's putting it right out there for you to see. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of research, honestly, being done with anxiety, inflammation, PMS, cramps, those kind of things that are just right there. Right. Amazing. Okay. And finally, where do people go to get the good stuff, the stuff that's um, full spectrum, organic? uh, Where would you suggest they would go to purchase? I would suggest to look online, do your research, find someone who is doing the right thing, preferably growing outdoors, a dry farming method. There's something sustainable, organic. Their um, products are in eco-friendly packaging. Those kind of things, they're growing straight from flour. And so they're making that salve or that tincture straight from flour. Have those questions ready when you look online or you go into your dispensary and ask. Okay. Um, cool. So give us give us the key uh, uh, word. Give us keywords. I mean, I mentioned a couple, but what are some of the other keywords that you would use to do a search on Google for high quality uh, salves? Sure. You would just look for, I think, high quality salves for inflammation if that's what you're looking for. So cannabis, salve, you know, inflammation or cannabis, topical inflammation, things like that. That would be but, but a I'm also beginning. Excuse me for interrupting you, but it wouldn't be more like also, and I'm, I'm just asking you, organic, does full spectrum come into play on this? Oh, no? I see what you're asking. Okay. So yes, yeah. you would- when you're looking for that, once you found that site that you're going to research, right. that those are definitely things that you want to kind of scan and look through. Is it organic? Is it full plant material? Or is it an isolate, a distillate? Those kind of things are going to say, no, we're not going to want isolates. We're not going to really want distillates. We're going to want things that are more straight plant mm-hmm. material. And those, the quality is just better because you're getting all the terpenes and all the cannabinoids whenever you look for full plant or full spectrum. Exactly. And uh, 
are we going to be paying a little more for these full spectrum, 100% organic uh, over the isolates uh, that I think are really flooding the market? Oh, absolutely. Um, now, if you're getting in a dispensary, they may be comparable pricing depending on if they're local farmers, because they're going to try to keep their prices at the same as, you know, a big business. It's kind of hard to compete with big business because they're getting such cheap products. Yeah. So if you're finding things that are isolates or distillates and they're really, really inexpensive, I would say about $10 an ounce is a good price. Um, anything under that, it makes me question like what kind of products are they actually using mm -hmm. in that particular um, salve or topical. You make a really good point too. I didn't even think about uh, checking with your local dispensary to see if they have salves as well. So um, I haven't even paid attention to that. I should check that out next time I go and see <laughs> uh, my next uh, flower uh, uh, pickup uh, shopping time. I'll, I'll see what they have. So um, before I let you go, uh, is there any brands that you can recommend? Well, I'm not going to recommend any brands specifically right now, okay. but will I, what I will tell you is a lot of states where cannabis is legal, go into your dispensaries because they're going to have more higher quality mm -hmm. products that are going to have THC and CBD combo because it's a dispensary. Um, if you're in a state that is illegal and you can only have a CBD option, make sure that you're purchasing CBD from either, you know, high quality hemp, not industrial hemp, but high quality, or you're getting it from um, particular farmers who are using one of those strains that we spoke on earlier. And okay. all they have to do is call and ask or email. Fantastic. I will mention to our listeners that uh, this is uh, really at Dr. Pepper's uh, focal point is her uh, real passion right now. She's developing her own solves or salves, and uh, I expect to see uh, this in the um, in the dispensaries within the next year. What do you think about that? I think that's very kind. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> we don't know. We're pushing it. We're pushing the envelope a little quicker than she's probably uh, willing to go. But well, uh, currently we're. Yeah, thank you for that. Currently, we are just using it for my grandmother's shoulder. Um, but let's yeah. see where it goes. All when the get, research I, for my grandmother. We'll, we'll definitely talk about it. If I get a little bit to try, we'll see what it, what happens with it. So anyhow, it's a lot of work, and it's a, a, I a commend you for, for doing that. I think it's fantastic. It's your sweet spot, so fantastic. All right, Dr. Pepper, thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Cliff. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm really excited about today's program simply because I have been practicing yoga for going on 20 plus years. And I don't really talk a great deal about it because in many ways it's a very personal practice, but we have to look at it from a larger point of view. And this is why I'm presenting this program today on yoga. Now, one of the things that a lot of people don't know about yoga is not only was it brought over from India, a very ancient culture, a very ancient group, it's considered to be thousands of years old. In fact, uh, our guest today will we'll definitely ask him about his belief on the age of it. But uh, we're going to talk about what is yoga, how does it work, the fundamentals of, of the poses, and also the meditative process and some other things related to yoga as a practice, as, a, as an exercise, if you want to call it that. My guest today is Dr. Keith Lowenstein. The book is Kriya Yoga for Self-Discovery, Practices for Deep States of Meditation. And uh, Keith is a board-certified psychiatrist uh, and integrative medicine. He's also integrative medicine. He's studied mind-body interface in 1971 with training in Transcendental Meditation, and in 1980 began his training in Kriya Yoga uh, with Ganesh Baba. We're going to talk about this individual, too, and the lineage that many of these teachers have. This book, by the way, is co-written by Andrea Lett. She's also a body-mind wellness practitioner with uh, 20 years of experience. So, Keith, welcome to Destiny. Great to have you on the program. Yeah, it's so wonderful to be here and meet you this morning. It's great to hear about your your background in yoga. I'm interested to hear about that as well. And looking forward to sharing um, what I can this morning to you. Fantastic. Listeners. Yeah, glad you're open and uh, you're, you're, well, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, yoga is a very open, friendly, and if you're a dark person, you're not going to last very long in yoga. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, your darkness won't last long. Oh, but you, you could transform. We can, you can be transformed. I've always read that yoga has its uh, inception about 5,000 years ago, but truly it comes out of it nowhere. I mean, they, they say, well, there's a few writings about it 5,000 years ago, but how old would you say it is? And how is it handed down? It's difficult to really determine how old it is. It's, you know, from, from prehistorical times. Yeah. And, um, and the practices were refined, you know, over the years. It probably started in the, you know, in what is what is now the Pakistan-India border. That that seems to be the area where the civilization that that began to use these practices developed. And then then it spread. It spread to the Middle East, and it spread throughout India and into China and into into um, uh, Japan and um, other places in 
um, in Asia. And if you look at all of these practices, they all have things in common. They all work on posture. They all work on breath. They all work on using sound. And there's very remarkable um, similarities. They all acknowledge, really, if you think about it, the, the importance of the brain and spinal cord. Um, it's, it's, it's really fascinating. So the, the delineation between Eastern and Western religious um, practices, I, I, I'm, I don't really um, think there's such a division. Um, hmm. I think maybe the interpretation has changed more recently in the last couple of thousand years, but, um, you know, 2000, 3000 years ago, you would have been hard pressed to find more of a, you know, a division between them. I have to ask you this question and, and you as a, uh, you're a physician, of course, you're a psychiatrist, but when I look at, at the form of yoga, whoever devised these poses really understood human physiology to a point where, there's things about it we still don't know. If you stretch in a certain way, are there hormonal releases? If you bend and hold your breath and then practice asanas, which are breathing techniques, it opens up chakras. And we'll talk about chakras a little bit later in, in the program. But these, this practice it was created by someone who really understood the dynamics of the human body. Wouldn't you say? Well, the practice developed over time amongst many people. <clears throat> and, you know, there was no, um, you know, iPhone or, or you know, um, uh, grocery store to visit. And so people, people had a different experience of life in the world. And so there was a much greater connection to the natural world, which, which really um, is, is an excellent way to connect with um, uh, uh, the infinite energy that, that we all come from. So nature is a great teacher and, and yoga certainly, and, and, and almost all ancient techniques um, and, and the techniques today and in, of indigenous, indigenous populations all come from roots of mother nature. Um, and so the different practices that you, you, you noted, yeah, so if you're sitting and your, your attention goes within, so yoga is the union of body, mind, and spirit. So that is what yoga means, right? It's an integration. It's a union. Mm -hmm. It's a yoking of our essence. And kriya is, is kri typically means work or an action. And ya refers to breath or spirit. Um, uh, and I mean, some people use the word God. There's a, you know, quite a bit wrapped up in that, but cosmic consciousness, <clears throat> spirit, the infinite, the absolute, or as Ganesh Baba, um, uh, my teacher, uh, liked to say, you three for ultimate universal unity. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so posture is the most important place to start. And you mentioned asanas. And so as you're, as you're sitting there going inside, you learn about your body. You know, what can your body do? Gee, if I breathe and stretch this way, this happens. If I breathe and stretch this way, this happens. And people develop techniques over years and it would be taught and handed down. And so different schools would develop different practices. 
but it's 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 remarkable how the basics are conserved among you know populations and beliefs ultimately we're all human we're all living in the same on the same planet and these practices work these are physiological states that we can enter that connect our body mind and spirit and yoga is all about learning how to use your body mind machine to move toward optimal operational order or O3, also a term from Ganesh Baba. And that just, you know, you, you, you tune up your system so that you can then be more receptive to the other energies within and without. I want to bring up uh, Ganesh Baba uh, in a minute, but you said something really profound here just a second ago. You alluded to body consciousness. And I think those of us in the Western cultures, the United States, uh, Northern Europe, and so on, tend to lose sight of our body because we're so busy doing everything else. And body awareness is huge. And uh, would you say that yoga kind of brings us back to our body because these stretches are so profound that we can feel the little aches and pains of our day and our week that have built up that we haven't been paying attention to, which can be little bits of stress and strain and, and problematic situations that are held in our body. Talk a little bit about that. Well, yoga is a very defined set of practices. Patanjali's Yoga Sutras is, is, ex- explains the science behind yoga. And, and yoga is a science why? Because anyone who engages in similar practices in a similar state of health will get similar results. So, so it's, it's very reproducible. So the first part of yoga, of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, are called the, the yamas and niyamas. And they're, they're kind of behaviors for interpersonal interactions and intrapersonal, how you think and behave inside. <clears throat> After that, you move forward with the, the, the next four steps are, very, are, are um, not unique to Kriya Yoga, but that's what Kriya Yoga focuses on. Kriya Yoga is not too different than Raja Yoga. It's, it's you know, a, a form of it. Mm-hmm. And, and they all look at the eight limbs of, of yoga. The first part a, after the niyamas and niyamas is posture or asanas. And why that's important is really yoga is meditation. But in order to meditate, you have to be still. There has to be stillness in, in every aspect of your being. So you start with posture because you want to be able to sit for extended periods of time to allow your physiology to become still and focused. Kriya happens to have specific exercises as spelled out in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and Raja Yoga to help to help get control of different aspects of that part of your being. So mm-hmm. you work on your body, you work on your physiology through your breath, you work on concentration with your mind, and you include vibration also as the fourth step, and you get those things. You you learn to how to how to play with all those dimensions and refine each one, so that ultimately you end up in a deep state of meditation, which is um, uh, the next step. Yeah, you know, after after the so there's the two initial steps in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. Then there's um, three, four, five, and six of of Kriya posture. Um, uh, body concentration and sound. Um, then you hit meditation, 
and after that you go into you know deeper states of of um uh, awareness and ultimately samadhi or um kind of communion with the universality of everything mm-hmm. you mentioned uh that you had you know you were uh you learned transcendental meditation at a young age. I did the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, does Kriya Yoga transcend transcendental meditation because it's a unified posture, sitting, and then the meditation? Yeah. Um, uh, TM really focuses primarily on sound and mantra. So it's mm-hmm. one piece, right? So Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, it's an eightfold path. Kriya Yoga focuses on the, you know, the central kind of four and five. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and so, yes, in a way, so there's a couple of things I'd like to comment on here. So, so one is TM probably does not provide as much, as much opportunity for accelerated progress. So Kriya Yoga is really an accelerated path to, to move along. It's not unique from you know other paths. I mean, all paths lead to the same place. Mm-hmm. But but uh, for Westerners in particular, having a more active meditation is helpful because, as you alluded to before, we're kind of all in our heads a little bit, right? So 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 like Buddhist, you know, Buddha evolved in a in in the early culture where yoga was very prevalent. You know, clearly, you know, he had some background and exposure there, which allowed him to reach states. And then, then his his realizations and and his discourses are wonderful and amazing, and sit fantastic on top of a base of 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 kriya yoga. But but in order to reach the points where you can really appreciate it in the stillness that comes, it's very helpful to practice yoga. And then have the the the, the teachings of Buddha sit on top mm-hmm. because they're so much you know richer and a deeper way to understand. It's hard for Westerners to just sit and contemplate. Exactly. But, but, yes, yeah. but if you occupy the mind, right? So you're using the body for stillness. Then you get the breath going, and you 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 modulate your autonomic nervous system, and then you start to use concentration with visualization and sound. And you use the different parts of your brain in a different way. Mm-hmm. And you shift your awareness to different places. And then you get emergent patterns of interaction within the brain, which leads to a new state of awareness. So meditation is an emergent property. So I look at Kriya Yoga as foundational practices to, to arrive at the emergent properties of meditation, which is another natural state of your awareness or consciousness, just like we can all lay down and go to sleep. Right. It's not some mystery. I mean, you know, some people have trouble here and there, and there are rare people who have very difficult time sleeping no matter what. But in general, most people know how to go to sleep. Meditation's no different. It's on the other side. You learn how to do it. You sit and boom, you shift your awareness and you're you're in a different state. And there's mm-hmm. lots of places to then explore there. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend uh, Kriya Yoga to your patients? In terms um, of uh, depending ther- on the therapy? patient, yes, depending on the patient, I certainly recommend posture and breath work for all. Deeper meditation depends on the person, mm-hmm. but but yes, posture, proper posture, carrying your spinal column as a column and not an arch. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, that's your foundation, right? You're going to build a house on like a bunch of loose stones. It's not going to do very well. 
Right. You, you, yeah. Talk about uh, in 1980, you met your teacher, Ganesh uh, Baba. What was, what compelled you to uh, take on the teachings of a, an Indian, uh, I don't want to call him a sage, but whatever position he held. I mean, he was probably from a, and also as we talk about, Ganesh, talk about his the lineage because this is always a fascination of mine. Sure, teacher, I teacher, can tell teacher, you his teacher. lineage because his lineage is actually interesting because he, so he is. So there's a very well known book that um, uh, was very popular in the uh, in the '60s um, called Autobiography of a Yogi. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. by Paramahansa Yogananda. Yeah. So that is the lineage that Ganesh Baba is from. In fact, excuse me. In fact, the Beatles to go back a little bit and date you and me, um, uh, they really increased the West's awareness of meditation when they, when they began to hang out with um, uh, Maharishi uh, Yogi, who introduced TM to the West. Right. And some of the first research on, on meditation was done with transcendental meditation by Herbert Benson at Harvard um, in Boston, uh, rather reluctantly at first by him, but then he found that it was quite helpful. So that really started. And then studies moved forward with mindfulness with John Kabat-Zinn and, and there's been lots of studies in both, both to support it. But so if you read the book autobiography of Yogi, it talks about, um, it, it talk, it gives a, a good history on the lineage in, in, um, Kriya Yoga. It's also worthy to note that it's my understanding, at least it's, you know, talked about frequently that, George Harrison of the Beatles gave the autobiography of a yogi to people through, throughout his life when he would meet people. And, and the four main teachers described in the autobiography of a yogi are hidden in the picture on the cover of Sgt. Pepper. So it's... Um, oh, really? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I didn't yes, know that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yes, yes, yes. So it's a powerful lineage. It's a powerful lineage. So if you read about it, there's um, uh, the first teacher who brought this particular lineage down is referred to as Babaji. Um, and, you know, he, he was a Himalayan yogi who, who, who met Lahiri Mahasaya, who was the person who began to teach it to householders, you know, down in the, in the population. So he was, he was married and had the, the, the teachings when he, when he took a trek up into the Himalayas and then he came down and began to teach others. And so his, his next layer of, of students. So the first layer, one was Sri Yukteswar, who is uh, written about in autobiography of a yogi and taught Yogananda. Yeah. Yogananda's teacher. Yeah. Yogananda's teacher. Right. And then he had another teacher, Hari Harinanda. He had another student. Sri Yukteswar had another student, Hari Harinanda. Um, I've had teachings and and initiations from Hari Harinanda uh, um, as well. Although my main teacher was um, was Ganesh Baba, Ganesh Baba, whose full name is Sri Mahant Swami Ganeshanand Giri, he um, he received his first kriya from Sanyal Mahasaya, who was on the same level as Sri Yukteswar and referred to as like his guru brother. So you know they had the same teachings. Um, Sanyal Mahasaya was the youngest of, of Lahiri's students mm-hmm. and, and um, one of the first main teachers of Ganesh Baba. Um, uh, 
Ganesh Baba used to tell a story that he was about to die at, at two years of age or, or something. And, and um, uh, they were um, on their way for, for final rites and they happened to pass Lahiri Mahasaya who stopped the, the procession and asked for the baby. And then Ganesh Baba got well. Um, <laughs> I love those stories. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was his first contact with Kriya was with Lahiri. Um, yeah. Let me just stop the- you real quickly, because sure. I, I think it's important that you tell people that these, these uh, men who are these uh, sages, these teachers, they're of a different elk. They're of a different, they, they've in many ways, they're physical beings, but they've actually in many ways transcended, transcended the needs of normal individuals. And they're almost purely spiritual in how they go about their business. And that, if you could talk a little bit about your experience with uh, Ganesh Baba, obviously you were attracted to him in the same way I was attracted to Maharishi Meshyogi. I never met the Maharishi. Sure. Right, Marishi, but you actually did meet with uh, your mentor. Yeah. What would you say? Not that these are, uh, you know, well, they are very almost uh, otherworldly in their disposition and and and. Right. So I, I would refer to these people as great examples, not great exceptions. Okay. 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 And 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 we're all capable of the same thing. And and that's really where we need to be going. Okay, that's 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 number one. So what attracted me to to Ganesh Baba? Well, I had, you know, I had already read Buddhist philosophy and Hindu philosophy, um, Indian philosophy, and I had practiced TM. And, um, you know, I wasn't all that excited to necessarily meet Ganesh Baba. Um, I wondered, oh, you know, a charlatan, you know, just yeah. another charlatan. Yeah, yeah. typical little, Western mind. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, so, but my life, certain things happened in my life that it, I, I had, all of a sudden I had like a big transition. And so I thought, you know, on the second invitation, boom, I'll go, sure, why not? And, you know, I got up there and he just received me very nicely and, um, and, kind of made a point, it seemed to me, of capturing my attention and then began to say to me, oh, you're going to teach this. And, you know, and I thought, you know, right, really? Yeah, sure. No, I don't think so. But um, but over a period of time, it was, you know, two to three months where I kind of was in and out of contact with him a little bit. We were kind of thrown together due to circumstances. We ended up spending a month one-on-one and uh, in a fairly isolated spot in New York City, and and um, I really learned some Kriya from him then, and and it was interesting because many of the people around him, he was a very charismatic person, um, educated in British India. He oh, was educated mm-hmm. in science. He ran business. He didn't become a monk until he was in his forties, um, and his father was was uh, well known and educated and worked for Gandhi, and so he was he was a, a, an aristocratic man, very brilliant, could read a whole book and annotate the whole thing. And, you know, overnight, I'd go to sleep, I'd wake up, the book would be done. He'd say, okay, now you read it. Um, you know, it would be hard to keep up. Yeah. Um, so it was very demanding. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, certainly, um, uh, <clears throat> certainly learned a lot. So he caught my attention and I practiced. 
I kind of did with him, sat with him and did what he was doing. And it worked, you know, I, it worked. Well, uh, did it work? Because you're, you were at a young age, you know, you're a young person still figuring out what the heck's going on to, to take on this practice is, is the discipline actually yes. it's the discipline. It's a, absolutely. And so, and so you have to shut everything down around you to spend this uh, 45 minute hour or whatever it is to uh, begin this contemplation uh, and, and this work. And so would you say that influences his, his presence helped keep you on the path to uh, your practice? Yeah, well, I, I think I was after some initial success, I certainly was motivated to move forward. And that was my focus when I was with him mm -hmm. um, was, was that. And, you know, there'd be things going on in the daytime, you know, work or school or whatever was going on, you know, teaching, but, um, you know, certainly in the, in the evenings and, you know, sometimes all day long, we would sit and, you know, and breathe. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, so, you know, it is something that's really transferred from one person to another. It's mm -hmm. helpful to have um, interpersonal contact. Although, you know, since COVID started, I, I am, I mean, it has some limitations, but wow, you can really transmit a lot online. It via is, Zoom or yeah, other yeah, forms? Yeah, 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 via Zoom. It's really just kind of. I think Zoom came along at the right time. I don't think other forms of technology oh there's a few out there perhaps uh i can't think of the names but the avail availability of the camera in the zoom in the, the sec and the technology is really very nice it's it's really remarkable and you know i i i have to credit um one of my patients um with helping me realize the power of of that through zoom as somebody who knew me for a number of years and you know, in one or two of our sessions, like I said, I worked on posture and breath with people, you know, if they were struggling, especially with depression, you know, pay attention to your posture, do these exercises, regulate yourself, get up at the same time every day, go to bed at the same time every day, do a little exercise, do a little, you know, so posture and breath is part of it. So one day this person said to me, oh, you know, I can't see you in person. It's not the same when you would say, oh, sit so I said, okay, well, let's just do it then. Let's just do it now. And bam, there it was. No different than in person. So you were and instructing them on the Zoom and they were just going along with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And their whole demeanor changed. I think that's great. And so then I started to teach online classes. <laughs> I started to, you know, I, 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 you know, had threw out an invitation to physicians across the country. And I first started to teach to physicians. And then, so for most of the pandemic, you know, most weekends I teach, I teach Kriya Yoga online. Wow. That's great. And it's, it is, it is, it is, it is, um, it is great. And it has made huge differences. And then of course, if people are in the Northwest, you know, we coordinate to, to connect and I've managed to teach people in person, even mm -hmm. with COVID, you know, that can teach outside and, um, uh, so, so it's great. I, I, I see Kriya, like I said, as a foundational practice for, for meditation and human evolution. We'll evolution. talk about more about that in a second. Okay. I want to just go over 
some of the fundamentals because I practice Hatha yoga right? and some of the basic pauses that people hear about like uh, the uh, cat pose and downward dog. Right. And, and if we could just talk about say a few of them, sure. As an example, my practice is every other day. And let me ask you, by the way, what do you believe is a, a, a good practice once a, once a day, once every two days, a few days a week, or is it just how you feel uh, during that given time or something? What, what's your feeling on that? Well, ultimately, you end up practicing all the time, even in your sleep. <laughs> oh, I want to hear what pose that is. <laughs> the sleeping pose. Now, now, now what, it, what are all the asanas about? So, you know, hatha yoga, depending on your teacher, can be, you know, pretty rigid, you know, absolutely this way, this way, this way, yeah. which, you know, in certain ways it's good, you know, in certain ways it can prevent injury and this and that. On the other hand, if it's too much and you can't get past it, then it's really a deterrent. So Ganesh Baba had a couple of terms he used to throw out. One was called limb limbering and the other was called shoulder shuffling. And, um, and really, if you, if you really think about Hatha yoga, most of it is focusing on your core and having a strong core. And, and what does the core mean? Start with core. Well, core, you, core, core would be your trunk, right? Yeah, your, 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 your hips, your, your torso, your, right? Your, your, your hips, pelvis, your pelvis your sacrum, your spine, your neck, your head, you know, not your arms and your legs necessarily, but yeah. where your arms are is very important because you can't breathe right if, you're, if your shoulder blades, if your scapula is not on the back. So mm -hmm. people tend to let their, their shoulder blades glide forward and their shoulders move forward and then they hunch over. And what you're doing is you're, you're, you're decreasing the amount of space available in your thorax. The thorax is anywhere kind of under your ribs, so to speak. Well, mm -hmm. that's where your lungs are. I mean, your heart is in the middle there, which is about the size of your fist and your backbone comes up the back, but the rest of your chest is your lungs. And, and, and you can breathe. Your lungs come all the way up to your clavicle, you know, your collarbone. So there's a lot of air to learn to bring in. And breath, being able to appreciate your breath, understanding an inhalation and exhalation, not intellectually, but, but feeling it, embodying the breath and getting to that point where you almost reach states where your, your breath stops automatically. And there's such stillness there. And you're kind of, you're, you get the balance between the, the duality of the world we live in and you move toward the experience of non-duality. And that's the breath is as, as, as the breath goes. So the mind goes. Yeah. So you're suggesting, and, and I I've done some uh, breathing practice as you learn to expand the diaphragm, fill the lungs completely, and then lightly exhale this form of a practice as you do it regularly also shifts the consciousness and you're, you're shifting the consciousness and beginning to pass into these spiritual realms, which is kind of that part of the meditation that. Yeah. Yeah. The posture is the structure. And I would say the breath is the power. That's where the power comes from. Then you refine, you know, that with the, with the later stages. So the breath is, is really very, very important. So posture is important because each step builds on itself. So right. asanas or postures are important to get strength 
and also to have proper anatomy so that all the different parts work better. Your neural transmission is good. You know, everything everything works works better because your your central nervous system goes right through your spine. So your spinal cord is the same material that your brain is made up of, and it's it's integral. And all these signals are going up and down. And so if you improve that from a physiological standpoint, you re remove any kind of anatomical um, kinks in how that's functioning, then everything just starts to go smoother. So yes, cat cow, as you started, that's a great pose. You know, what you're doing is you're, you know, you're flexing and extending your spine. Perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, um, uh, sun salutation. Perfect. You know, what, 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 what works with child's pose? Wonderful. Anything that's adding strength and flexibility to your spine, mm -hmm. but not to get rigid. You can do other forms of exercise too. Just be aware of your, of, of your spine. That's why Ganesh Baba referred to it as limb limbering. Okay. So do some exercise. What works for you? In mm -hmm. Yogananda's teachings, they use energization ener exercises. There's a, a mudra that's talked about in Kriya Yoga called Maha Mudra that, that is another type of asana practice, a little different than sun salutation, but mm -hmm. this kind of same, you know, similar principle. So they're all kind of a little bit different. And, um, uh, but I wouldn't get caught up in, am I doing it just right? Yeah, so but you brought up a very good point, though, uh, Keith. And you said the core is the foundation. And this is really a, a big point for our listeners because we tend to sit too long. And when you sit, you compress your spine, your diaphragm, and your pelvis into the into your butt. And that's too too cramped. And that's and if you sit too long. You begin getting all kinds of problems with your bladder, with your back, with your your gut, uh, and these the stretching techniques not only open this up, but you tend to feel good when you're stretching because yes. you're you'll find that you're adjusting and and doing a, a, a popping out subluxations, which are cramping of the spine and so forth sure. and so on. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so not only are you stretching, but you're strengthening. Oh, you're very strengthening good. Strengthening, yeah. and you're you are encouraging flexibility. Okay, so you're moving away from rigidity, and more toward flexibility. And it's not that that sitting a long time is not good. Um, how long is it that Buddha sat for enlightenment? He 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 did fine, right? Because because his body was was prepared for that. And that's the asana part of yoga. The physical part of yoga is to prepare the body for that. So you're sitting in anatomical alignment. And if you're really sitting and working on your alignment and just doing breathing and working on your alignment, you can get releases to use in the, in the subluxations that you just discussed. You can feel your spine shift. You can, you can make a subtle movement and get a release because you're working on proper alignment. So posture, 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 posture. Yeah. And breath will follow. Ganesh Baba used to say, just sit straight. That's all you have to do. Wow. And in a way, he is right. If that is your practice, and that is your practice 24-7, yes, everything else will fall in place. That's amazing because I, I couldn't, I mean, I, I guess it's also, you're talking about the Kriya portion, which is the breathing 
which is important, but just sitting without the breathing is not enough, would you say? Uh, well, oh, I'm saying it is because so the point is, is if you really change your posture, your shoulders shift, your chest opens, you just begin to breathe deep. You move into the natural, uh, the natural state of, of respiratory function. We have to get back to that because our breathing is so impaired. So, so there's breathing exercises or, or to use the, the, the Sanskrit term pranayama. Mm -hmm. So there's a few breathing exercises to do. And why do you do them? Well, you're waking up your respiratory system. You're learning how to breathe again. It's not unlike playing tennis. You, know, you learn the rules, you learn backhand, you learn to serve, right? You, 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 you learn to volley a few different things. And then you go and play the game. Mm -hmm. Well, pranayama is no different. So you practice a few different pranayamas. You, you, you wake up your respiratory system. You get it working in a different way again. And boom, then you, then you sit. And wow, all of a sudden you have a whole set of tools. And if you're sitting straight, your breath will just you know, lead, you, lead you down the path. It's all, you already have all the hardware and software you need to move forward in all these states. You mm. just need to use it. Would you say that the Kriya Yoga technique eliminates the, 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 the postures I just mentioned, the um, uh, citations and the, uh, the, the sitting and the standing different postures and condenses it just to a sitting, breathing, meditative technique? No, I would not say condenses. The, the posture is very important. So how do you get there? Depends on your body and what you have to work on. Do you need to work with a physical therapist? Do you need to work with a yoga teacher? Are you better off doing uh, Tai Chi? What do you need to balance your body and to get strength? You know, you might have to com combine a few different modalities if you want to move a little quicker. There's a practice called the five Tibetan rites, which is an excellent practice. The only thing in there that's probably a little challenging is they they suggest that you spin for a while. And, you know, if you're over 40 and you spin, um, uh, <laughs> you might have some equilibrium issues. Yes, yes, yes. That might not go away. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah. But 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 the but the rest of the postures are very good. And you'll you know, part of it's just like the sun salutation. But if you look at them, you see, oh, it's strengthening my core muscles, my abdominal muscles, my back muscles. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, causing some stretching in my legs. It's, and you just, you just develop a five to 10 minutes a day of some physical exercise. Boom. You know, focusing on your spine, some combination of, of, of yoga, Tai Chi, Qigong, um, five Tibetan rites, um, whatever, whatever works for you, work mm -hmm. with a trainer, work with a physical therapist, work with a yoga teacher, no matter what yeah. age. Yeah. And that, and develop what you can. And then you sit for as long as you can, you know, you might just sit for a few minutes, but with time that will, that will, um, that will change. And you can do very intensive pranayama techniques and get into deep states fairly quickly. But the goal is to, you know, establish, you know, make this a, make this a practice and a place that you you do you have you go to the same place every day at the same time you utilize the the the, the value of of time and cycles so your body's ready at the same time it's already moving to that physiological change you take advantage of that by being in the same place at the same time you enter deeper states quickly with 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 the um practice of these techniques 
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Okay, so again, to my mind, the Kriya yoga technique is it's it's uh, distilled a lot of the you know, like hot hatha and, and, and everything and 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 you're settling in the seated position where you're focused, you're breathing correctly, mm-hmm. and after a period of time, you close your eyes and you you shift your consciousness and you're in a meditative state. Yes, yes. And so, so understand that the purpose of all yoga, regardless of its name, originally is a union of body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So even Hatha yoga, that was the goal. So there's really some main types of yoga. There's Hatha yoga. There's there, which is focused on the body. There's karma yoga, which is focused on service to others. There's bhakti yoga, which is which is focused on more devotion, unlike mm-hmm. not unlike Christianity, right? Um, um, and there's yana yoga, which is more focused on studying scripture and, and knowledge. And then there's there's raja yoga, which really incorporates all of them, and so does kriya. That none of them. You cannot practice any of them by themselves without them absorbing the others. They will hmm. all they will all suck you into the others. You can't just do a deep hatha yoga practice and not get a sense of service to others and and joy and a great loving feeling to nature or or those around you. They all influence one another. Kriya is kind of a constant, and particularly the form of kriya that Ganesh Baba taught is a is a um, uh, highly focused form of meditation taking distilling out 
the most effective practices that, that he was exposed to. Now, he was first made a Swami by Swami Shivananda, who uh, in uh, Rishikesh, and he, he um, really taught some of the major influential um, uh, yogis of the last hundred years. So he was, he was very prolific and he was, a, he was a medical doctor and started the Divine Life Society and has authored hundreds of books. Hmm. Um, and then he ended up in the Kriya Yoga line. And I talked a little bit about that. Um, but he also was also part of, um, he was Sri Mahant. He was head of a small Shivite um, uh, Akara um, in India. And they are, um, you know, they have a different focus, you know, all, all, all together. And, and it's very connected with nature and um, mm-hmm. uh, the cosmic uh, scheme of things from that standpoint. So he was, so he had Western training, traditional yoga training with Shivananda, Kriya training, you know, Shivite mm-hmm. training. He was really a, a very accomplished and, um, uh, and a great teacher and just a lot of fun to hang out with and, and learn from. And he was intellectually curious, always reading, meeting people, liking to be in debate, mm-hmm. but at the same time, able to get into these deep meditative states. Do you think that they came, came to the United States like uh, Maharishi uh, with TM with the same belief that if we can get this powerful Western uh, country to uh, uh, take up this, perhaps it'll shift the way the world. Sure. Uh, uh, Absolutely. Is, yeah. So you Absolutely. think it's, perhaps it's of evolutionary guy, sure. a gift. It's a gift from the ancient past. Yes. It's a It's been here all along. You know, people have just, you know, uh, um, lost, lost, track and sight of the practices Mm -hmm. so all religions start based on somebody's spiritual experience that the that others are able to see or that the person's then able to share and and as that person teaches others and they start to practice and experience it they reach various states of awareness and insight which influences others but as you get further away from the initial teachings other things set in administration starts and and you know rules start and things get rigid and dry and brittle over time these practices are 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 alive they're living breathing practices that sometimes get lost sight of um when more uh uh, organized um when when uh human driven organizational um uh practices get involved you know uh keith expand on that thought that they're a living breathing almost entity in their own when you're practicing them is that because we are taking in this sacred breath the pranas and we're doing these movements that for all we know could be signaling or their their messages or there's some form of uh communication with with who we are on a cellular level that as we do these practices, we're, we're connected to the divine. Yeah, so the practices are all ways to help modulate your nervous system. So Yogananda has a great saying where he talks about the brain and the spinal cord as the altar of God. Hmm. And if you look at religious practices, everyone does bowing, everybody's, everybody uses song, Everyone uses dance. I mean, it's it's not rocket science here. Yeah. So, 
Um, and it's so natural. The thing is, is it takes a little bit of work at times because particularly Westerners, you know, we're inside, we're, and now we're on computers, goodness gracious. And then phones. <laughs> wow. I mean, just such a distraction. an addiction, boy. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, it is just, um, uh, so it, you know, I mean, when telephones came out, people didn't, you know, carry their telephone around, you know, I mean, the, you know, the phone was there, if it rang, you went and answered it. And and if you could treat your iPhone that way, that would be great. But it's become, it's, it's people, people can't, um, can't live. So it's a distraction. Much of life is a distraction. If you want to, if you, if you want to progress or experience the spiritual side of things, you need to put effort in. How much time do people spend on their iPhone a day? Hours. Yeah. So, you know, try 15 minutes of, you know, or 20 minutes of, of a, I mean, if you really want to go after it, you know, 20 minutes twice yeah. a day, a few minutes, five minutes of, of stretching and strengthening and a few minutes of more intensive psych, uh, 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 pranayama, and then, you know, practice meditation. You know, you know, people often say, oh, I can't meditate. Oh, I can't meditate. Oh, I've tried that. Oh, I can't do that. Right. And, you know, you see this happen on the road all the time, right? Somebody's driving and and they get a little distracted and their tires hit the little bumps in the road, right? The little reflectors, boom, 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 boom. And, you know, and so what do they do? They pull off the road and they, they, they call the police. They say, oh, I can't drive. I'm going to surrender my license. Is that what they do? No. What do they do? They just, they just straight, they just pay attention again. They're like, yeah. oh, let me pay attention here and let me continue on my journey. Yeah. So that's what meditation is. You hit the little bumps and that's the practice. It's like you're strengthening your awareness. So every time you hit the bump, it's not like, oh, I can't do this. Every time you hit the bump, it's a reminder. Oh, let me just get back on track. Because it's ridiculous to pull off the road and surrender your license, right? <laughs> yeah, that's and extreme. It's, but, but, it's, so, but it's the same. If you say, yeah. oh, I can't meditate. Exactly. Yeah. Talk a little bit about uh, the next topic, Kundalini and the chakra systems which are involved in, in yoga. Talk about the serpent, the Kundalini serpent, and how yoga, and we, we've already presented it in straightening the spine. The spine is the center of everything. Right. So the spine, so each, each um, you know, and you could think of it, you kind of can think of the spine in a simple way. Think of the brain and spinal cord as like the electricity running through your house and there's different outlets, right? Mm -hmm. So at different places, one place, the computer's plugged in and, you know, you, you, you get to talk to Cliff, you know, and it's right. Another place it's, you know, it's running your, your oven, the electricity, right. And another place it's doing light and it might be playing music in another place, same energy, but so, so the chakras are kind of that. The chakras are, it's the same energy going up and down your spinal cord and come out into your nervous system. And at different levels, they do different things. So it, th th that's, if you can think about it that way, that's what those are. And it's, 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 it's um, an interplay with the central nervous system and the autonomic nervous system. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, a little more complicated than what we're going to be left with with time here. But um, so each, each level connects with a different energy source. So, so the, the first chakra is really connected to the, to the ground, to the root. The second chakra is more with reproduction. The third chakra is with fuel and nutrition and food. 
the neck chakra is your heart chakra that has much more to do with love and compassion. Then you have the throat chakra that, that <clears throat> really the power of the word is so, so, so powerful. And it's the power of the word is not really understood, but, but um, certainly um, focusing on vibration helps you do that. Then there's the third eye, which is the source of great knowledge and, and intuition. And then there's the top chakra that connects you more directly with the infinite. And as you practice meditative techniques, a Kriya yoga and other yoga type techniques and, and, and techniques in other, uh, other spiritual traditions, um, you, you work on the spine and you get a better flow of that energy. So what is Kundalini? Kundalini is when there's a, 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 a in some cases, a very dramatic re release of that energy. Mm -hmm. It's talked about as, as a inactive um, or potential form of energy in, in, the, in the bottom of the pelvis that when activated connects with, with infinity. Um, and when that happens, for some, some people it happens you know, slowly. Some people are always able to feel that throughout their life. Other people can have a burst of energy. And if you're not prepared for that, you, know, you haven't practiced breathing techniques, your posture isn't straight, um, it could be um, a little disconcerting what's going on here. <laughs> so, um, exactly, yeah. and plenty of people have written about that. But mm -hmm. in my experience, if you're prepared for that and you work on posture, and Ganesh Baba used to say, yeah, there's no problems with that if you've worked on your posture. Mm -hmm. The energy will just flow, just unimpeded, and you, won't, and you won't get stuck. And then if you read older literature by older yogis, they, they talk about, you know that there can be blocks in certain areas and how you work on it and this and that. But the bottom line is you go in order, you know, you go in order. The posture is the foundation. You keep just moving up and. Fascinating. The book's called Kriya Yoga for Self-Discovery. My guest today has been Keith Lowenstein. Uh, this book is available on Amazon and it is uh, filled with great resource and a way to start a practice. Uh, any last thoughts on this, uh, uh, Keith? Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is, it seems to me that uh, yoga practice is a form of uh, youthing the body. In other words, uh, keeping you young and vibrant. I see people uh, from India in, uh, in their uh, hundreds, 101, 102, still practicing this uh, uh, different forms of yoga. So it, it's a benefit, isn't it? Yes, it's a benefit. Absolutely. It's a benefit for your mind, body, and spirit. And, and there's no age on the spirit. And, um, uh, and you need to practice. So if there's two things I want to end on, one thing I wanted to say before, if you look at old, if you look at statues of Buddha from the side, his posture is divinely straight. Really? I didn't even yes. No, no one pays attention to that. Divinely straight. So practice, practice, practice. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay, how can people get a hold of you? You have a website. Why don't you give it to us? Yes, it's, it's Kriya Breath, one word, Kriya Breath, K-R-I-Y-A, and then breath, dot com. Mm -hmm. So www.kriyabreath.com. 
you can contact me there if you're interested. You know, uh, every every three months or so, I start an, an, a new class. I have a class that runs about six, seven weeks. Um, and now there's a book to go along with that. So it's certainly helpful. Yeah. And, and, um, and you get, you know, you get basic instruction on how to get going. And what age do you wish to uh, stick around till and then uh, leave your body? I don't tell I'm done. <laughs> I love it. There's no direct question. I'll wait for you to say Cliff. It's I think it's 104, but I'm not sure. <laughs> All right. Hey, it's been a real a real pleasure, Keith. Thank you very yes. much. Yeah, wonderful meeting you. Thank you so much. Blessings to you and all your listeners. That was a lot of fun. I uh, have to say that Keith is a, a kindred spirit <laughs> when it comes to the ancient uh, ancient yoga in the sutras, all the information regarding yoga, which is uh, a, a great read. His book is, is very thorough. Uh, there's a lot more we could have talked about, but that was kind of a, a window dressing, if you want to call it, a, a look a highlight look at yoga, and in specific terms, Kriya Yoga, which is a, a, a deeper dive into yoga fundamentals, as you've probably heard. I have to say that he was very well-spoken on the topic, and I, I personally appreciated that. And his work with Ganesh Baba, his mentor, really shows that he took it to heart and made it part of his life, which which is the same thing I, that's happened to me. Uh, a young person working with meditation can go south really quickly because it's just, you have to sit quietly <laughs> for 20 minutes, you know. And the yoga is the same thing. It's a practice. It's a, it's a meditative, and inform, it's a form of meditation, moving meditation. Um, and it's hugely beneficial to uh, for me. And I... I acknowledge that as well as meditation. And this is why I, I've, I'm presenting this to you to look at. And you're probably wondering, why do people do yoga? God, why? Who, who cares? Why bother? Well, in this presentation, you got a sense of the, the effects on the body, the great benefits of the body, you know, and it's really a wellness technique to, to be well. And I'm not kidding you. If you do a search on YouTube or just generally benefits of yoga on aging or just uh, uh, you know, older people, seniors practicing yoga, you'll be surprised, as I was, at how many people in their late uh, years, and I'm talking late 70s, 80s, 90s, and even 100-year-old people, taking up yoga and it's it benefiting their ability to be mobile and functioning on an optimal level at a very advanced age. That is amazing for me because nothing is worse than growing old and being uh, ha hampered by uh, the inability to walk, to move around, and to enjoy life. Yoga is a, a beautiful practice for staying youthful uh, as we age. And this is why I really like it. And uh, I hope you got something out of that program because I really had a good time. 
Hey, I want to mention we are going to Egypt. This is a fantastic Egypt tour. It's our third annual. And I'm mentioning this because talking to Mohammed the other day, who's the, the tour director, and he has agreed to keep the price at pre-pandemic rates. This is like 40% off. You're never going to see these prices on any level on a basic tour. This is usually five or $6,000. This is half that much, a little, a little more than half. But the beauty of it is this is a VIP. In fact, this is what I call, and Muhammad laughs at this, it's a diplomatic tour. You know why? It's private bus. Uh, we have private access to the Sphinx, to the Great Pyramid, to most of the major sites that we go to. Why is that a big deal? Well, most of the time when you go with a general tour, you're mixed in with the, with the uh, other public, with the locals. We are given access privately to these may, amazing places. Talk about photo ops. You can have amazing close-ups of everything. So this tour is May 3rd through the 15th, 2022. For more information, go to earthancients.com forward slash tours, T-O-U-R-S. You'll see the 2022 banner. Click it. Check out the itinerary. That's always important. And, uh, and then you can register. you got to get your registration in to get this deal. Uh, we're going to hold this to probably 50 people. And we're about a third of the way full. Because this year was such a miserable time to travel, we have a lot of people that put money down that will be lining up to come back. So get your, get your reservation in as soon as possible. EarthAncients.com forward slash tours. It is amazing. Oh, and by the way, there's a a, a technique that I uh, was taught by my mentor, Humbats Men, a Mayan elder, on how to tap into ancient buildings. And I'm going to teach you how to, to use this technique. You'll be surprised, yeah, what happens when you tap in. And I'll talk more about that in the future. So check it out. All right, that's it for this program. I want to thank uh, Dr. Keith Lowenstein for being my guest today. As always, Pep, Dr. Pepper Hernandez on Conversations on Cannabis. Our crew, that is Ruth Thomas, Bruce Fenton, and Mark Foster, along with the editing crew and the artists who set up our uh, banners each week on our social media. You guys rock. Fantastic. All right, take care, be well, and we'll talk to you next week. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.